All right, welcome back to Local News Live. Right now, the biggest story of the day is the Supreme Court discussing abortion rights right now. And our very own Jessica Bowman, she interviewed two people, one on each side of the argument, to get their thoughts on this topic. Jessica, who did you speak to, and who are we, we going to hear from first? Yeah, Pro-choice advocate from the state of Mississippi. Uh, she represents a portion of the ACLU of Mississippi, Vera Lyons, and she's the policy counsel there. So I spoke with her uh, as they were at the Weston Hotel there in Jackson, Mississippi. They were actually listening to those oral arguments underway. Also, earlier today, I spoke with longtime Mississippi State Senator Republican Republican Joey Fillengain, who is pro-life. So as you mentioned, we have both sides of this story. Right now, we're going to start with the ACLU of Mississippi. Okay, so let's go ahead and get straight to it. Where exactly are you at a rally at? Um, I'm currently at a breakfast at the Weston in Jackson, organized by um, local Mississippi abortion activists. We are listening to the oral arguments at the Supreme Court right now. Right, so underway um, today, a big day for the state of Mississippi and really the nation. Let's talk about where the ACLU stands uh, with this fight. So the ACLU is committed to fighting for the reproductive rights um, of people everywhere. We are greatly concerned that the current Supreme Court and its makeup um, could, um, could undermine um, the rights that were enshrined by Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. And so talk about kind of, um, talk about the atmosphere with the ACLU, people that y'all represent, and kind of your mission and what this means moving forward. So the ACLU is actually not a litigating um, party on the current Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, but we are working to educate and support community members um, in the fight around reproductive rights. And so what do you have to say for those people um, who, who say, you know what, we disagree with this. We don't think this should happen. We want things uh, to stay as they are. So I, you know, I think it's very interesting that uh, the right can call itself a pro-life party while not providing support for women and children once children are born. Um, we have the second highest of all the state's maternal mortality rate in the state of Mississippi. And it is also, as noted in the initial filings by the Center for Reproductive Rights, it is 64 times more dangerous for a woman to give birth in Mississippi than to receive an abortion. And so just talk about kind of the atmosphere where you are right now. You know, we, we were listening to the oral arguments as, as well as so many people across our nation. Uh, but what, what is the atmosphere like there right now? Um, there's one, um, it is one of frustration. It's one of hope. Um, there have been cheers for the sensible questions that were asked by Elena Kagan. Um, there are cheers for the Center for Reproductive Rights attorney who is explaining that this really is about um, the right to choose, to not be forced to have a pregnancy. And that um, while the uh, state of Mississippi is going to claim that a 15-week ban is not a significant departure from the viability standard, it in fact is, given that they are asking to cut the viability standard from 23 to 24 weeks to 15 weeks. That is cutting into another, about a month and three weeks um, of a possibility for a woman to have an abortion. That's obviously very historic. What do you hope, and uh, as well as re representing the ACLU, um, the outcome is? 
Um, I hope that the court understands that there is majority support in the United States for the right to choose. I hope they understand that the reason we are where we are today has to do with a lot of political maneuverings that have been taken on by the right, that the um, abortion restrictions are really a minority view in this country, that we have the makeup of the court as we do because Obama was blocked from nominating Merrick Garland to the court by Mitch McConnell, um, and Trump was able to seat three justices who are likely anti-choice, despite the majority will of the people being that uh, people who have reproductive abilities have a choice in whether to bring a pregnancy to term or not. And so um, fast forwarding to next year, it could be sometime next year, um, as this process moves forward, what do, you, what do you want to see happen next year? Um, I hope that the Supreme Court upholds Roe v. Wade and Casey. I hope that it strikes back against Mississippi and other states that are trying to chip away at women's access to abortions. You know, regardless of what happens, abortion is not going to go away. Women are still going to find a way to obtain an abortion. We hope that it remains safe and legal. These restrictions, unfortunately, often impact women of color, women of less financial means who are unable to obtain childcare, to get time off of work, to arrange transportation for our clinic. And I really hope that abortion remains safe and legal um, at a constitutional level. And so I know I know you're very busy. I do appreciate you taking the time to do this interview with us. But real quick, um, you've been listening to those live oral arguments as they unfold. What are your what are your thoughts on on what's being said right now? I mean, I think it's very interesting that Justice Sotomayor pointed out that um, this concept of life at conception is really a religious argument, and there is a separation between church and state. And I believe that the state of Mississippi is trying to co-opt religion and this idea that life begins at conception onto people who are capable of making reproductive choices for themselves. And so um, I just have to throw this last question in there. And of course, anything else you would like to add before we let you go? Because I know you're super busy. Um, but when I interviewed, um, you know, earlier Senator Joey Fillengain from the state of Mississippi, who, um, you know, co-authored the Senate version of that bill years prior, they obviously went with the House version, but still he had a very invested interest in this topic. Um, I asked him, what do you have to say for the other side? And so I want to ask you that same question. What do you have to say for the other side? What? What do you, what words do you want to speak to them? Um, I have to say that if they're going to make the argument that uh, people have the right to make choices about vaccines, and as we've seen, Governor Tay Reeves has argued that he's going to be anti-vaccine mandate in Mississippi because he believes Mississippians can make the best choices. Why can't Mississippi uh, people with reproductive capabilities make the best choices for their own bodies um, when it comes to whether to carry a pregnancy to term or not? And I'd also point out that the Mississippi 15-week uh, ban contains no exceptions for rape or incest. So not only are we forcing women to have to carry pregnancies to term who may not be able to afford you know, childcare, who may not be able to afford having another child, we are forcing victims of sexual assault, including possibly children, to carry pregnancies to term under this rule. Okay. Thank you, Ms. Lyons, for joining us here on Local News Live, uh, representing the ACLU of Mississippi. Anything else you would like to add before we let you go? Um, no, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. 
And so obviously a big controversial topic, um, really in the state of Mississippi, but beyond. You know, this is a story that is uh, really gaining the attention in the hearts of so many Americans as right now the U.S. Supreme Court is listening and debating over the abortion law in Mississippi. And so earlier this morning, if you're following along with our live coverage here at Local News Live, you know, hundreds of people in front of the U.S. Supreme Court building holding up signs pro-life, pro-choice. And so this is a story that continues to unfold, continues to develop. And, you know, this isn't a decision that is going to have an outcome today. It's going to be next year. It could be the summer of 2020 before anything is decided. And, you know, with the Supreme Court, with the majority being conservative, six to three, what is the outcome going to be? Well, time will tell. Um, but I can tell you one thing, pro-life, a longtime Mississippi State Senator Joey Fillengain is hoping for this outcome. I was able to speak with him live a little earlier this morning here on Local News Live as he weighed in on what is unfolding on Capitol Hill. Jessica Bowman, right now you are taking a live look in Washington, D.C., outside the U.S. Supreme Court. A big day today as abortion rights are on the line at the Supreme Court in historic arguments over the landmark ruling nearly 50 years ago that declared a nationwide, nationwide right there to end a woman expecting. Joining me live right now on Local News Live is longtime Mississippi <coughs> Senator Joey Fillengain. Um, thanks so much for joining us here on Local News Live. Uh, Republican, a big Republican in the state of Mississippi. Today's a big day for you. Thanks for joining us, Senator. Thank you, Jessica, for having me. I really appreciate it. And thanks to your viewers for watching. I think uh, today is a huge day. Um, the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case is squarely in front of the U.S. Supreme Court with arguments starting in approximately about 20 minutes. So we're very excited to finally be here. As you said, I've been in the state Senate and the state house um, different times for about 23 years. And, you know, pro-life legislation has always been my passion. And we're just so very thankful that this case is now in front of the nine justices. And we're very prayerful for a great outcome here early next year to sometime in the early June, July timeframe. All right. So, Senator, you know, you and I, I covered Mississippi politics for a while in the Magnolia State. You and I have had this conversation um, so many years prior. And leading up to this, you helped move this forward in the state of Mississippi. Let's talk about what role you played. Well, this bill, as you know, um, typically anytime you have a major piece of legislation, you will have a colleague in the state house file a bill. And then you'll have uh, a senator where I was filed the same bill. Um, so there's a House version of the bill and a Senate version of the bill. So I filed the Senate version. My colleague and friend, Representative Becky Curry um, from Brookhaven, Mississippi, filed the House version, which is the version we ultimately ended up taking. So the case emanated from a 2018 legislative bill that Representative Curry authored in the House. I then took it in the state Senate um, Public Health Committee presented it, got it out of the Public Health Committee favorably, went to the Senate floor and presented it there, argued for it there, and we passed it. So uh, unfortunately, I can't say I'm the author of this particular bill. I'm the author of its Senate companion bill that uh, we let go by the wayside in favor of this House version. But um, the bills were the same. So Becky is a, a great friend, a great colleague, and I think she's there on the steps uh, there at the U.S. Supreme Court this morning. And I know several of my other Senate colleagues I've seen uh, Senator Jennifer Branning and Attorney General Lynn Fitch, our Solicitor General, who will be making these arguments in just a few minutes. 
Uh, Scott Stewart is a fantastic uh, appellate attorney that previously worked in the Trump administration, the Justice Department there, and clerks previously for Justice Clarence Thomas on the U.S. Supreme Court. So I'm very excited and anxious to hear the great arguments um, that Mr. Stewart will make on behalf of life in general and in particular for the state of Mississippi as his client today. Right. So let's kind of take a let's kind of take a look back um, for our viewers who may not be too familiar. You know, they hear abortion rights. They hear the U.S. Supreme Court is having these oral arguments. But what exactly does this mean? OK, so the bill that we passed in 2018 specifically said that in the state of Mississippi, except in uh, two very uh, specific circumstances, that any abortion beyond the 15 week period of the pregnancy would be banned. And those exceptions were for the life of the mother, of course, and for um, a severe fetal abnormality, meaning if um, the, the unborn child was not going to live outside of the mother's womb due to some major defect, and we're not talking about Down syndrome or anything like that, we're talking about a defect, a physical defect that would prevent that child from being able to live outside the mother's womb anyway. So those are the two specific exceptions. In all other instances, this bill would say that if you are beyond the 15-week period in your pregnancy, that the state of Mississippi would make it illegal to have an abortion. Of course, that flies directly in the face of the current Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey opinions from almost 50 years ago. I was born in 1973, which is when this case was decided. So we're talking about almost 49 years ago. Um, when the the Roe decision, and then I think in 1992, when the Supreme Court last looked at Roe v. Wade in a serious way in the Planned Parenthood versus Casey decision, in that case they upheld Roe. They did change it slightly to make it, um, you know, a pre viability standard. So that's really the legal question this morning before the Supreme Court, and while the Supreme Court agreed to take the case for Mississippi up. Currently, um, and I've just had recent children myself, um, they're a little over eight months old, but um, in a pregnancy, most um, OBGYNs and other professionals say that a child is only viable outside of the mother's womb after about 24 weeks. So what the Mississippi law says is 15 weeks, so clearly you'd be moving that um, time frame that the Supreme Court has laid out up, you know, about nine weeks. So um, that's the question is whether the viability standard, meaning you can only have a restriction on abortion after the child can live outside the mother's womb around 24 weeks, which is the current Planned Parenthood versus Casey standard, or can states like Mississippi move that up to something earlier than 24 weeks before the child could conceivably live outside of the mother's womb without assistance? That's the legal question before the court today. Of course, that brings up the larger question, which you've been hearing about, which is, was Planned Parenthood versus Casey and or Roe wrongly decided in the first place? We in Mississippi believe that it was, and that's what our legal briefs filed by the state of Mississippi squarely argues, which is that Roe was wrongly decided and Planned Parenthood versus Casey was wrongly decided. It's based on um, rights that were never even mentioned in the Constitution in the first place. These are rights that the Supreme Court back in 1973 created out of whole cloth and said, look, there's a right to privacy that's not mentioned anywhere in the Constitution. They called it the penumbras of the Constitution, meaning the shadows of the Constitution. They created this right. So 
you know, that's crazy. And everyone, I think, now recognizes that that was very faulty legal reasoning and that that case was wrongly decided. The argument from the pro-abortion side and Planned Parenthood um, organizations and the like are basically not that Roe was rightly decided necessarily. They're arguing that it's been so long and on the books, you know, nearly 50 years that the Supreme Court now can't go back and say, whoops, we were wrong back then. And so they're arguing based on starry decisis or leaving the decision alone, basically, that you have to continue maintaining this fallacious decision of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And so as we talk about the Supreme Court, you know, um, right now the case comes to a court with a six to three conservative conservative majority. And so what are you anticipating um, the outcome could potentially be with how the Supreme Court is kind of laid out right now? You know, we're very hopeful and very prayerful, mainly because we do have several new justices on um, three that former President Trump, of course, appointed. And then you've had, of course, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg leave the court, Justice Kennedy leave the court. These were both votes in favor of keeping the Roe um, law in place, essentially um, on the Supreme Court books. So we've got new people, and that's essentially the hope that these new um, additions to the court will make it a more conservative court. Now, we've thought that that was the case in, in the past, only to be disappointed by justices that we thought were conservative who then ended up taking a leftward turn once he or she got on the court. Uh, and Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, quite frankly, is, is one that there's a big question mark around because in the most recent cases out of Louisiana and Texas, he voted with the three liberal justices um, on the court to uphold the you know Roe and its progeny. So we don't know really where any of the justices come down. I know Justice Coney Barrett um, has written things in the past that seem to indicate that she believes that Roe was wrongly decided. I think Justice Gorsuch um, is firmly believed to be ready to overturn Roe v. Wade. I think the two question marks, of course, really on the court will be Justice Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett. And we'll just have to wait till they hand down that decision. But to answer your question, what could they do? Well, they could do nothing. It only takes four justices to hear a case, and it takes five justices to vote to change a case. Mm -hmm. So just because they're hearing the court case today means that there were four justices that were willing and wanting to hear it. That does not mean that there was a fifth justice ready to vote with those four to overturn Roe v. Wade or Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Now, the common thinking, however, is that the four justices that voted to take it up would never have done so unless they thought that they could garner a fifth vote on the court to make that change, because it doesn't really do anyone any good to take up a case only to strike it down and send it back and say, well, everything is fine the way it is. So would four justices have voted to take the case up if they didn't believe that they had a fifth justice in their back pocket that they could count on to vote with them to make a change? Now, what is that change? It could simply be that they agree that Mississippi was right and moving that standard from the current 24 weeks up to something closer to 15 weeks. It doesn't necessarily mean they're ready to strike down Roe versus Wade. They could say, well, we're going to keep Roe in place. We're just going to simply move that time frame for when a state can restrict abortions like Mississippi and other states have done from the current 24 timeline up to 18 or 15 or right. Texas has passed a six week. Bill, so they could be changing Roe significantly, which would be a huge win 
for the pro-life movement, even if that's what the court ultimately decides to do. Now, it wouldn't necessarily be everything, the whole ballgame, because what we would really like to see ultimately is the court admit that Roe and Planned Parenthood versus Casey were bad decisions on their part and say the courts were wrong to get involved in this whole debate in the first place and that the states should be able to, um, you know, to handle all of this. So let's let's talk about the controversy. This obviously a huge um, controversial topic, not only in the state of Mississippi, but across America. So um, let's go both sides of the aisle here. What does this mean for pro-life? What does this mean for those on the other side? Well, I think what it means potentially is that millions of children could be saved from the fate of abortion, ultimately. Um, it could also mean that um, certain states like California, New Jersey, New York, Illinois, would almost certainly in that instance continue to have abortion on demand like they do. What uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade would actually do is not to do away with abortion in the country, but it would do is say, this is not a judicial issue. This is a state legislative issue, and each of the 50 state legislatures would be able to say whether there would be any restrictions at all. And of course, some states would probably have no restrictions or in more conservative rightward leaning states like Mississippi, for instance, you would have um, restrictions on that uh, procedure and provide additional protections to the unborn children. So that's really what we're talking about as to whether this should be an issue decided at the court level, the US Supreme Court level, or should this more um, appropriately be reserved to the 50 states to allow each state, just like with marijuana, for instance, you know, that's a huge debate right now. Some states like Colorado allow recreational use. Other states um, only allow for medicinal marijuana. And some states don't allow it at all. It's completely illegal still. So that would be a similar situation to the abortion regimen if, in fact, this court overturns Roe v. Wade and returns everything back to the states for decisions. And who do you think is going to be impacted and affected the most if this is, in fact, overturned? Well, the, the most um, impacted, of course, would be the unborn children, because right now they have no voice. They don't have a say in what ultimately happens to them and whether they even have a chance to live. Whereas, um, of course, women will be impacted greatly. and They already are. I mean, depending on which state you live in, there are certain restrictions and other states have none. But ultimately, the unborn children, half of whom are women, by the way, and you don't hear that mentioned very often, you, you typically and traditionally hear this as some sort of contest between the women, the mothers, and the unborn child. But 50% of the unborn children that are born in this country are, in fact, female. So what about those women's rights? And what about the, the little guys' rights as well? I mean, um, the state has a compelling interest, and the Supreme Court has recognized that in the past um, in protecting the unborn life. The difference right now is that the Roe Court and the Planned Parenthood Court um, back in 92 said that the women, the mother's rights, trumped the unborn child, child's right that she's carrying up until the third trimester, at which point the state could restrict the abortions. And what do you have to say for those uh, women and other people who are saying, hey, this is denying my health right? And I know you've heard that in Mississippi, Joey. Oh, sure. You hear that all the time. And um, I say, look, we need to do more. Probably every state needs to do more as far as um, helping women, providing more access to health care. 
And that's a, a thing no matter where you are in the whole country. And that debate is going on. I guess where I come down, though, is if you have to recognize the unborn child's rights as well, that's a life that you are ending when you choose to have an abortion. And you don't seem to hear the pro-abortion side even reference that as a living, breathing human child. They just refer to it as more or less a clump of cells that has no value that can be ripped out of the mother's womb and thrown away. And no one seems to care about that child or that little girl um, who has been left behind. Um, so, yeah, we, we definitely need to do more. I think every state probably needs to do more to provide health care access. But that fails to recognize that the health care access ought to apply not only to the mother, but to her unborn child as well. All right. So I, I want to focus our attention. I think you are able to see this live video. Am I correct? Um, yes. Okay. So let's let's work through this together. Let's take a live look here. Let's show our viewers a little more of what is happening right now outside the U.S. Supreme Court. And Senator Fillingane, you mentioned um, a lot of representatives from Mississippi um, who lead the state are in fact here right now. Yeah. And I'm going to turn the audio up just slightly so we can kind of take a listen in to see what we're hearing right now. Um, but are you are you surprised to see the outcome? You know, I'm not. I'm, I'm very encouraged to see this large crowd. And of course, anytime you have a major Supreme Court case going on, you have this. But I don't think you've ever had it quite to this extent. I think people recognize that this is a momentous case before the court. And the decision that it has will have huge, far-ranging impacts on women, on children, on families all across this country. So I'm just so proud. I, I would love to be there myself. But as I said, I've got two twin eight-month-old boys here at my house, so I'm doing my part from here in Mississippi. But I have colleagues who I've seen in this video, um, Jennifer Branning, for one, a state senator from North Mississippi, and Becky Curry, the House member who authored the House bill from Brookhaven, Mississippi, is there. Our Attorney General Lynn Fitch has spoken to the crowd on the steps of the Supreme Court. So I think um, we're well represented and I'm just so proud of all those who are there and um, proud of those who are back home like me praying for a great outcome to this decision. And I know I didn't want to keep you too long because I know you want to hear the beginning of those oral arguments, Senator Filligate. But before I do let you go, um, any last words, any hopes? Um, and what, what are you really hoping the outcome really is? Well, thank you again, Jessica. You're a great friend for having us and for your coverage of this very important issue. My hope and prayer is that the Supreme Court will listen to the arguments, will have the strength and courage, at least a majority of the justice, to recognize, hey, this court got this wrong back in 1973 and again in 1992. We don't need to continue perpetuating this badly decided case. We need to correct the errors, admit our mistakes, and move forward and give the court the legitimacy that it really has always enjoyed up until this point. I think a lot of people have begun to question the legitimacy of the court. And if you look at the confirmation processes with Justices Kavanaugh and Justice Coney Barrett, and you see how this issue, this one issue is really poisoning the entire process of judicial confirmations in our country. And it's really tearing our country apart. The way to handle this and to retain that legitimacy that the court has always enjoyed broadly across uh, American culture is by admitting where you make a mistake, like they did in Roe v. Wade, correct that decision and send this, this issue back to the state legislatures where it could be 
correctly decided based on the wishes and the demands of the individual citizens of the 50 states. And again, uh, Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves, he has been across national media really um, parallel with, with what you're saying right now. And are, are you surprised to see that coverage? You know, I'm not surprised to see. I, I saw um, Governor Reeves. He's, he's been all over um, the media, as has Attorney General Lynn Fitch. They have both done outstanding jobs representing the interest of life and the interest of the state of Mississippi in promoting life. I think they've been great ambassadors for our state and for the life movement. I'm very proud of them. Well, Senator Phil Gain, anything else you would like to add? Because I am going to let you go because I do not want you to miss that beginning uh, oral arguments that are about to start there in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much, Jessica. And I would just ask that uh, your viewers, that Phil, as I do, will, will be in, in very much earnest prayer. And not only just today, as the, as the arguments are being made, but throughout um, the rest of this year and early next year, as the justices will each have to come to their own conclusions and write those opinions, which will probably be handed down sometime in the June or early July timeframe. So it's not a one day event. Right. This needs to be a matter of prayer um, from now until when that court hands down the final decision on this. Yeah, just the beginning. All right. Well, thank you again for your time. Much appreciated. And uh, we'll catch up with you later. And again, I know so many people, while uh, you're giving your opinion, so many people on the other side are totally disagreeing with you right now. And we're going to try and check in uh, with the other side. I know the ACL. All right. We thank Jessica Bowman for that coverage. And as she mentioned, at the end of that interview, she was trying to get an ACLU interview, and that's what we showed you at the top of this segment here. So if you're just now joining us right now, you're taking a live look outside of the Supreme Court there where the high court is hearing arguments today where justices are being asked to overrule the court's historic 1973 Roe v. Wade decision legalizing abortion and its 1992 ruling in Planned Parenthood v. Casey. And under those decisions, the states can regulate but not ban abortion up until the point of viability at roughly 24 weeks. Of course, the Mississippi uh, side of this is the state of Mississippi is telling the justices those two decisions should be overturned and that the state law that bans abortion after 15 weeks should be upheld. Now, we're hearing that a decision is not going to be quick. It's not like we're going to hear a decision by the end of today or by this weekend, you know, it could take several months to a year. So we're going to keep a close eye on the arguments right now. Uh, we do have access to, to the oral arguments. They don't have cameras within the courtroom, but we can listen to those arguments being made. So we're going to dip in and out of those arguments here on Local News Live. So we're going to end this segment here on Facebook. But if you'd like to join us uh, after we end the segment, you can go ahead and go to your favorite gray television website, click watch live, and that's where we'll be. So whether you're listening to us on our podcast or you're watching us on Facebook or your favorite gray television website, we thank you for joining us here on Local News Live.